for our sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. Oh, my goodness, we are back. I'm talking Pet Chat. Welcome to the studio, Cheryl Shaw, Dr David Tabrit. It feels like a Christmas theme in here today, doesn't it? Well, it looks very Christmassy. Mm. And have Already. you noticed, uh, you know, especially for Pet Chat, Randy, our Christmas dog? Randy. Randy. Who owns Randy? Look at him. Oh, he's a 2NUR he's, dog. He's the, in this studio. Yeah. That's Beautiful. right. He monitors the studio, keeps an eye on some of the Grinches around here. Todd Sargent not mentioning names. Yeah, but, yeah look, we're very Christmassy. <laughs> and we're, we're talking about pets and Christmas yes. today. Do you buy your gizmo presents? Absolutely. Of oh. course, before anybody else in the family. <laughs> Actually, he, he's, yeah. I've got his presents already on my list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. I wonder right. how many listeners buy their pets, anim- uh, their animals. <sighs> look, they want to get spoiled too, don't Absolutely. they? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Do yep. you, David? Do you buy your pet, you know, Christmas presents? Oh, look, every day's Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew you didn't. I bet Cheryl Amy. does. I do. But we're about to chat about Christmas and your pets in just uh, a couple of minutes. We're only weeks away. And whether you buy them presents or not. Mm. Cheryl, you've brought Gizmo in a couple of little presents to, to get me kick-started. Gorgeous little sand sack. Yep, little puppy one. <laughs> little puppy oh. one to fit his toys in. Uh, and we've also got a, a new little Santa hat. It's I always for his put photo. His photo. Oh, that is good. I'm going to get a family <laughs> photo this year with Santa, which will include Gizmo. Gizmo, yeah. And a little bow for his hair. That He's is all gorgeous. Set. I think the question more is how much do you spend on your pets at Christmas? Oh, I know a little bit about that. Cheryl, Christmas, it's nearly upon us. Now, I know you wouldn't have put your tree up yet though. Oh no, not until the 1st of December. I'm a traditionalist. <laughs> you are a traditionalist mm-hmm. and a little superstitious around that date as well, yeah, you know. Absolutely. Bad. Do the goblins get you if you don't put it up before then, David? I think that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many you know, kind of ideas can we throw in here? Because oh. Cheryl, you said if you take them down uh, you know, before a certain period, after I'm thinking the 30th, 31st December. Oh, you know what? I'm over mine on Boxing Day. I like to <laughs> get the gone. house tidy again. Do you really? Mm-hmm. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But, look, you know, someone else that has Christmas is our, it's our pets. That's right. And our pets are now considered part of our family. They're family members. You know, gone of those old days where the dog was tethered on a chain out in the backyard and you tossed a bone. We've really elevated the dog and that's because, and the cat, and our, and some other animals like birds, because we've become more educated and we're more caring ab- ab- about our pets, we are finding that our pets are living indoors and mm-hmm. often, just like David, they're living on our beds as well, sharing that bed. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not, let's just clarify, that's, that's your David on your bed, no, not me. you told me that your dog... Hops into bed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but yeah, I'm glad you clarified that, Dave. Yeah, thank you. Okay. <laughs> he hogs the bed. <laughs> he hogs it. Okay. Oh, it's terrible. So, this, the shift in our relationships with pets, it's um, because we're now calling ourselves the. Um, we're now calling ourselves the mum or the dog or something like the mum of the dog or the mum of the cat or the dad. It's now pet parenting instead of pet ownership. Mm. It is really that way. It's pet ownership. Yep. Gone to pet parenting. Yep. Because pets love 
is unconditional and it's part of our family, it's not unusual to find a Christmas gift under the tree. So Christmas is really popular and um, giving a gift for your pet and it's only closely followed by giving them a birthday present. So we do now give more presents. In America, about 95% of people buy their pet something for Christmas. Oh, wow. That's a huge number. Yeah. Wow. And you know what? Often people start shopping for their pets about in October. So they start thinking about what before, am I going to have. Before they shop for their family. Exactly. And before Thanksgiving. <laughs> now, oh interestingly, the most money that is spent um, on pets is actually spent by the Manilians, I was going to say, millennials. So they spend more money on their pets than other people. They're closely followed mm. by the Gen Xs and then um, families with children. So it's interesting that, you know, we've well, got Well, that this makes sense. It does, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Do yeah. we know what the average amount is mm. that uh, we, we spend? It can vary, but they certainly spend a lot more money than what um, other people do, those millennials. Wow. Now, Cheryl, just on that, though, mm-hmm. uh, we're talking about Christmas gifts, but what about Christmas services, like, you know, taking the dog to the day spa or <laughs> extra, you know, walking or... or going away on trips is that what you're also talking about well they're they're obviously gifts for some dogs i mean if you Mm. if you're taking a dog to get a pampering session that's a gift that's ongoing you can have you know sort of a a a gift that's ongoing for the dog and there are walking services there's a whole lot of things that you can classify as a gift gizzy used to always come away on our family holiday yeah, yeah. the owner of the, the place was a dog lover and I rang him one year and sent pictures of Gizmo and he approved it. Mm, yeah, lovely. And he went every year after said, that. Said yes to the dog and uh, maybe to the kids. Yeah, he said, but can you leave your four-year-old at home? He's a handful. Terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, when we are selecting some toys for our dogs in particular, make sure that you don't go giving the dogs toys that they can destroy. You need to make sure it's a safe toy. Yeah. Often people give the dog a toy that's designed for, for children and the dog will take everything it can do um, to get those eyes out of those Ooh. fluffy toys. Oh, yeah and then start chewing up what's inside, that stuffing. Oh, that stuffing's awful. Yep. And the squeaky toys, those dogs that, you know, just continually squeak the toy and start ripping it apart to grab hold of that squeaker. I was going to ask about that because a lot of the um, dog stockings you buy at Christmas, which I've brought Gizmo in the past, has the toys with the squeaky and he gets it out in record time and then he starts chewing the squeaky apart if you don't get to him quick enough and I'm thinking that can't be good for his stomach. Mm, And not only that, I mean, some dogs... uh, as soon as they get that squeaker, it, it's sort of one of those things that they are determined to wreck it. They are just going to oh, ruin yes. that toy. So think about how safe that toy is for the dog. You don't want to buy a choking hazard, that's for sure. Ooh. And not just the dogs. I mean, our cats also, they need presents as well. Um, one of the things that's a good thing to do is to get a catnip plant and pop that in the garden if your cat is an outside cat. Because <laughs> nice they idea. can actually lay in that and rub themselves against it. It's really quite soothing for them. Yeah, some cats really go for that. Yeah. Some are a little bit standoffish, I've seen, mm. which is surprising. But uh, it, it certainly has an effect on them almost chemically. It's yeah. triggering those the reactions from them. Mm. And the other thing is birds. Often people don't give birds enough interactive toys. And, you know, some of your parrots mm. can become really bored. So if you're not sort of, you know, thinking about, um, you know, just giving them your, your seeds and your grasses, you need to give them something to stimulate them as well. Mm. That sounds like a good idea. But some of the things with cats, I think, um, particularly because they like to play with ball and string and so on, but these can be a bit dangerous. Mm. So I'm thinking about tinsel is actually quite dangerous for cats. Ah, yeah, of course. So even if it's not a gift, it might be on the Christmas tree. 
you've got to be really careful. And we've all watched Family Vacation, so be careful with your cat and the Christmas tree lights. <laughs> I've missed that. Yeah. <laughs> now, Christmas Vacation, the... Yeah. Uh, Griswolds? Oh, yeah, yeah. Chevy yes, Chase? Yes. yes. And that's mm. it. When you are, it's not just that, David. Some people put tinsel around their dogs and cats' necks and dress them up as Christmas, you know, sort of ornaments themselves. So it's really dangerous. Don't go putting tinsels and things on your cats and dogs. You know, you can put them on a little hat or something, a Santa suit that, you know, is specially made for these pets. But just be careful what you're putting on them and obviously supervise any animal that you do put something on because they can get stuck on different items. Mm. You know, when they're sort of running around playing you just got to watch because you just don't want any nasty accidents to happen and so you know i think for christmas it's really lovely to be able to celebrate it with your pet but just make sure when you've got visitors over that you know your cat or your dog is safe all right cheryl uh before we wrap this topic up what have you got your dogs thus far for christmas i can't tell it's a surprise Yeah, <coughs> she can't tell you, Sarah, before the dogs, the dogs. find out. I okay. mean, that's just, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I know what I'm getting, uh, Gizmo. You know the little kids' beds, the little yep. lounges that fold out? Mm. Well, Molly's got a Minnie Mouse one, so the kids both sit on it, but Gizmo has taken over the Minnie Mouse bed. He loves it. So I thought, well, I'm going to have to oh. buy him one. Yeah, yeah. But, but then on second thoughts, I thought, actually, maybe I'll just buy Molly a new one. <laughs> Gizmo can be gifted that, re-gifted it for Christmas. <laughs> That's kind of cute. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, the three of them can sit in their lounges at night. And mm, quiet and peaceful. Oh, it's all beautiful. Clean. Yeah. That's what a beautiful household setting. Oh, of course got. it is. Yeah, it goes down exactly <laughs> like that around 7.30 every night. <laughs> there you go. It is Pet Chat and we would love to hear from you. We've got Dr David Tabrit here to answer any of your questions. Changing the pace a little bit when we come back after the coastal weather. We're looking at um, not Christmas presents, some other kind of presents that can be left for us that we have to deal with. That's very clever. Yes, we're going to talk about cats and their litter trays. Okay, the do's and don'ts with those. Is that what you call them? (laughs) Some people say number ones and number two, so do's and don'ts, yes. That'll be it. But got about the dirty dogs. I took my dog for a walk the other day and she took off, ran down into a creek and I found her and she was rolling in some (laughs) excrement. I'm not sure of the nature of it or where it came from. And then she slid down the muddy bank and into the creek, the dirty creek, and I had to walk her home. And I took a photo of her because I thought, oh, dirty dogs, I'll win a prize. (laughs) But it was brown on her caramel brown So you couldn't really see. So she didn't. I reckon white dogs have an advantage in the dirty dog competition. You know, you, is that true? Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. I've exposed it. Oh, I'll tell you. Yeah. Oh God, now I'm nervous. I'm ner- I can, uh, we won't be trusted again. I couldn't wait to win the prize because I couldn't live with this dog who stank. <laughs> oh, yeah. There should be a component where you can scratch and sniff. You know, so oh, you dear. can get a real oh, idea of how oh, dirty oh, the dog no. is. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Oh dear. Talking about scratch and sniff. Mm. Mm. Do's and don'ts of cat litter trays. So, I, look, this is a. I didn't realise this is such a big thing. There's so many different options. I just knew that when I was pregnant, I had to stay away. Like, I was scared of cat litter. I was well, like, oh, there's cat litter. How close can I be? We'll talk about this in a sec. So, look, the thing is, obviously, a lot of cats might be inside, outside. And if they're outside at night, you need to bring them in because of danger to our native wildlife, yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, cats will go to the toilet outside and they're in the garden, or inside they're going to use a litter tray. So there's a couple of things to notice. First of all, 
rule of thumb is you have uh, the one litter tray per cat plus one. So if you've got one cat, you oh. need two. If you've got two cats, you need three. Wow, that's a, that seems like a lot. <laughs> it does if you've got 17 <laughs> cats. But uh, the reason being is that um, from behavioural and medical reasons, you want to give cats lots of options. Interestingly, I found picking the litter. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. I counted something like 26 different types of litter. Really? This morning. Not, not brands. I'm talking types. You've got your clumping and you're non-clumping, you've got your recycled or you've got your clay, oh you've got gosh. your deodorised, scented, you've got the multi-cat versus the single cat. I'm not quite sure what the difference between those two is. Yeah. You can get the bigger? ones ones with the bicarb in them. Wow. That's crystals. insane. Crystals yep. versus uh, pebbles yep. versus uh, paper versus everything. And, and you can even get one that says cat and um, pet litter. So it's like for things like rabbits and guinea oh. pigs and birds as well to put in the bottom of bird trays. What an exciting shopping trip. Oh, I, <laughs> this, this is the world I share with you oh, every week. This is crazy, see? yeah. So you've got all these different options and people go, well, how do you choose? Look, to be honest, your cat will choose, which means sometimes you have to have a little bit of a trial and error. And I have... Um, suggested to people like if you follow that rule of the one tray per cat plus one you might need to have a different litter particularly if you've got two cats so you've got three trays you might want to have a different litter because you might find one cat prefers this one yes one cat prefers that one and i have had people say to me well mike i've got litter trays i've got the right number i've got the litters and my cat goes and messes in the bathroom in the bath and and it's just smooth you know there's no litter in there obviously and I remember uh, listening to someone talk and they said, well, this is, you know, happens with Abyssinians because they're desert cats and it's like being in the desert. I'm not quite sure <laughs> that it works. I think there's just something that attracts them. Um, can you buy smooth litter trays? I'm guessing well, you can. Well, the litter trays are. I mean, the things that go in the litter tray, is there some sort of smooth-like... Well, there's things that are more the clumping and non-clumping, but there's, you know, I have seen people use sand, and that's probably a reasonable choice as well. And the other thing is that I have seen, this is a very good point, is that if you have a male cat and say they get desexed as a kitten, um, sometimes they're a little bit sore around the back end when they come home yeah. and they go to use the litter tray and they're like, ooh, that hurt. And then they turn around and they look at the litter and go, hmm, that litter hurt me. And then they start messing outside the box. Okay. So that's why it's a good idea to have a different litter for them. So that sometimes they can get an aversion to that one as well. And then your, your litter trays, you can have covered, uncovered. You can have ones that clean their feet when they come out. Oh, my god. You can gosh. get ones that they jump into, which is like, you know, like an igloo thing and the dog can't get in there. That's always a hazard. You know, I'm understanding the toilet. I had a friend come visit and he's got one of these fancy toilets that you, you don't use toilet paper. It's got every button under the sun oh, yeah. to, to wash, etc. And he came and he said, oh, such peasants using toilet paper these days. He couldn't wait to get home to his own toilet. Maybe cats are the same, you know. They're cats used are. to what they, they like. They're very particular. Mm, mm. They are. Okay. Look, let's go to a caller here. Uh, hello. Have we got uh, Carrie from Paxton on the line? Hi, guys. Um, I have a Siberian forest cat um, and she's normally a very, very well-behaved young lady right up until it comes to bath time. 
Now, if we can get... It takes two of us to bath her, and if we can get through that without any drawing any blood, mm. we've had a successful bath. <laughs> and I had a friend suggest to me that um, putting, giving her some mild sedatives before we bath her might be useful. I don't know if you've got any tips. How often do you want to bath your cat? Um, probably only once a month because anything worse is probably too stressful for her. She loves being brushed and groomed. Mm. She just, and it's really unusual because she loves playing in water. It doesn't like a bath. Yeah, sometimes it's that feeling of being trapped, I think, they respond to. It's interesting saying that about once a month because um, I'm just finding... I find my cat would be... I'd be getting shredded as well. Um, and I don't think I've ever given my cat a bath, to be honest. Cheryl, you... you there's, there's a couple cat. of things... You, yes. There, there are a couple of things you can do. Often people pop them, the cat into a pillowcase and that will stop them from being able to scratch you so much. With just their head out? Yeah, just their head out of the pillowcase. You can actually get proper bags yes, you that can. are like that. Yeah. But the problem is you want to get the water in. Yeah, but you're still going yeah. to be able to Through, yeah. to wet them and and to so hose it's not them. just a but pillowcase. You could, you could yeah. probably make make one that um, you know would suffice. I would do that if your cat's scratching you. The other thing you can do is to put the little soft claws um, onto the cat's claws, so those little soft pads will actually prevent the, the cat being able to scratch you. That's a great idea. Now oh, they, what a they, good idea. they last they last about what six months or oh, so. Yeah, so it just depends on the cat's activity, but so. they are really good. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and they do come in colours. Yep, you can get them ready for Christmas, a little there bit of go. red and green. Uh, the, oh. question, the question about the sedation, I think, is a little bit fraught with difficulty mm. because for a couple of reasons. One is that to sedate them to the point where they're not going to scratch is probably going to be too much. And it's, um, you know, there are side effects from these drugs and so on. So yeah, I'd that's what I was a bit worried about. Cause mm. she's, yeah, like I said, she's normally a really well-behaved young lady. You might need to do just what this is where we start stepping into this idea about um, a behavioural approach, and that would be breaking down the various steps of the bathing. And so only doing the first step and making sure that she's calm, and then you have to back off. And so, yeah. and then being able to go to the next step, but you wouldn't leave it a month between steps. You might so you do it every do day. It more often? Well, um, just from the behavioural training point of view, you could be trying to work your way up to that. Uh, mm-hmm you know, doing a little bit each day uh, just so that she gets used to it. Because if you left it a month and think, okay, well, all we're going to do is just have the water on and run a a wet hand over her and then that'll do it until next month, well, that's just, you know, for the purposes of getting her cleaned up and so on, that's too far apart. But Oh, look, if we could bath her every week, I would, but honestly, it's a chore and a half and we do end up in shreds. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah, I th- dedication. I think I'd, I think I'd be backing off. But um, the other thing is, brushing is going to be more helpful to really keep her coat clean, um, rather than just regular bathing. And you do want to be careful that you don't strip out the oils of her coat as well. So, uh, I think probably a behavioural approach might work, and that's breaking that down into steps and just a little bit each day. I'm not a fan of the sedation path. I think that's just going to create more problems and it's really not going to stop the scratching. And there's also some um, dry shampoo you could try using as well. Oh, that you rub on. So that you're rubbing that shampoo on, there's no water involved. That's and, a good idea. And then, um, yeah, so if you don't go with those little soft claws, try the dry shampoo when you're brushing and that will alleviate some of the saliva from your cat um, yeah. and, and take away that um, excess hair that she's shedding. There you go. 
We've got a grooming expert right here. That's why that's, <laughs> that's why people ring in. Oh, look, you know, it's, say, it's the mixed bag between, you know, your knowledge in the medical area, Cheryl's knowledge in the upkeep we got it covered. grooming. Oh, it's oh, fantastic. Guys. Hopefully guys. that works and yes. helps you out, Good Carrie. Luck. So we're going to go to Peter now. You're in Warners Bay. Peter, you've got a cat and a kitten, is that correct? Yes, yes, I do. Hi, Peter. What's going on with them? Mate, no, no problem with the cats themselves, as in they get on quite well. Um, we, we've got them. We've, they're both rescue cats. Mm-hmm. Um, mate, i tell you the problem I've got with the time, the little one, she's a gorgeous little thing. Um, and, um, and I was never really a cat fan, but now I have turned. Um, <laughs> Now, mate, what it is is there's two spots um, uh, where she tends to want to scratch. But uh, let me tell you, if she could scratch right through her body, she would. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she's drawing blood, and she's actually scratched away the cat hair, and mm-hmm. it's down, down to the bare skin. And the worst part is um, just under her chin. Um, now I've, I've I've spoken to another another vet, and he. he um, and they said to grab some antiseptic cream that might help and soothe. But I've tried that. But like, if I'm not if I'm not there, I'm sure she's just scratches and scratches at it. There's no fleas on it. They're both indoor cats. They don't they don't get out the door at all. Um, not yeah. e- not even an escape. Um, and um, and I'm just wondering with the two cats together, is could it be nervousness or made it, as I said, like the hair's gone under its chin. There's no hair. It's just skin. Now you said there, you said there were two spots. Where's the other spot that she's oh, scratching? Um, okay, on the left hand side uh, of the uh, probably on the neck and right. on the left hand side. Yeah. Uh, and the the foot that she's favouring with the scratch all the time is the left rear foot. Okay. Um. Um. And like, and for instance, last night um, she's beautiful and comfortable, and she's lying on the lounge next to me, and all of a sudden. Scratch, 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 so I've got to stop her. And mm. I think she knows that I'm doing it for a good reason. Yeah, yeah. She, she's, she's just going crazy with it. There's a couple of things I'd be looking at. The first thing is um, when you have, well, one animal, but certainly when you have more than one, then I'm always going to be really strict about flea control. So even if we can't see fleas, and often in cats we don't because they're so good at grooming themselves, but we might find some telltale signs which would be flea eggs or, as I said, just having two animals in the household is my big risk. And so I would make sure we're on a really good flea control product regularly because one little bite can trigger an allergic reaction and it could pop out as this. See, in dogs we actually get allergies occurring around the tail base is the most frequent thing but in cats it can show up anywhere and they'll just get this intense scratching the other thing we sometimes see i've seen this with cats as well is they'll often get a a bare patch on their chin and it can get itchy although not quite to the extent you're talking about and i have seen cats where the food bowl is causing that reaction with them whether it's a plastic or you know metal or something and so sometimes changing their food bowl can help Um, There are other parasites that we would see in kittens, so things like sarcoptes, which is a a mite that occurs in the skin, and that can cause intense scratching. And interestingly, um, it can transmit to people if you have very close contact with them. So Uh usually it doesn't spread that quickly, but it certainly could be a factor. And so I would suggest... Um, for those reasons, probably going in to have a consult because to find that mite, to make sure it's not that, 
you really they need to do a scraping of the skin and look at it under the microscope it's not something that you can just you don't see them on the skin um, and there's specific treatment for those sort of things so I'd follow up with your vet to get a skin scraping. Helen in Walzen, thank you for the call. Now you've got a question about your cat. No, I haven't. It's about my... I've got a nine-year-old dog that's yes. been to sex since she was nine months old and I'm just wondering why she is still humping. Ah, it's a very good question because we see, thank you. <laughs> see this problem comes up a bit. So um, there's a couple of reasons. Yep. Okay. So... Primarily, this is a behavioural thing. It's not sexual at all because okay. when they're desexed, we've, we've basically taken their level of sex hormones right down to almost zero, and I'll explain a little bit about, more about that in a sec. But so it's, it relates to a behavioural thing, and in some ways, dogs either do it because they're bored and it's at activity right. or it's like, oh, I've got control of this toy or whatever or leg or whatever. Use your cushion. Yeah, cushion, right? So there's that aspect of it. Now, the hormonal aspect is really interesting because in all male and female, we have all the, the same sex hormones. So in, we think males is testosterone and females is estrogen and progesterone. But actually, yep. our bodies produce all three, and there's, yep. more, there's more than three, but we'll just say three. Uh, our bodies produce them all, not just from the sex organs, but from also the adrenal glands and possibly maybe some other places in the body. So when they're de-sexed, your dog, female dog, we've dropped the estrogen and progesterone right down, but now the balance between those hormones and the testosterone has yep. changed. And so there's kind of an equal amount of that testosterone in the body with, right. the, with the other sex hormones. And so that can sometimes drive some of these behaviours. The level of hormone is still really, really low, yep. but it might be enough to initiate or to prolong some of these behaviours. So there's really no kind of medical, um, you know, um, f fix for this sort of thing. Um, yep. It's usually just you distract them and give them something else to focus on, another toy. Okay. So you take the cushion away and immediately you have to give them something else. Um, okay. Otherwise, they'll just find something else to hump. Okay. So, um, so she, she yeah. She usually does it when I've got visitors. That's, she, oh. I don't know why she does it, but, yeah, that's what she seems to do. If someone's here, she'll get up on the lounge and get the cushion and How there embarrassing. she goes What's, What sort of <laughs> dog is she? It's quite amusing to watch her, but, yeah, what? I just there's a reason for it. You know, no, so. you, you'll find you'll find that um, you just have a toy or something that she likes to say chew on. Not not obviously. Don't give her a big stuffed toy that she'll start humping, but something <laughs> something that she could do chewing on, and she gets it as soon as she starts to do that, so that you distract her straight away. My friend's okay. dog used to go for the um, old UGG boots. <laughs> she had an UGG boot oh. that was hers. Yeah, it was a bit awkward when we had you know family dinner parties and whatnot. And uh oh. <laughs> There she goes again. But anyway, look, uh, good luck with that, Helen. Thank you for your call. We are talking pet chat. Now, we were talking a little earlier on with little trays mm. and the, the vast variety that you can actually pick. And I mentioned the only thing I knew about cat litter trays is that when I was pregnant, I needed to steer clear of them. Well, two things. One is it's good advice that you, you know, then pass on the responsibility to your partner. Yeah, that's exactly right. That time he started cleaning up. That's it. Um, but this comes up a lot and people ask us, so what happens is, I'm going to give you some bad news, is you can actually clean up fresh litter. Oh. 
Don't okay? want to risk because it. Because what we're... Well... <laughs> Don't want to risk it. What we're worried about is toxoplasmosis, and it's a protozoan, so single-cell parasite that lives in the gut of cats, and it's shed, and the oocysts, which is the eggs, are shed in the, the faeces, okay? Um, but they're not infective until about a day or so later when they go through a process of called sporulation. And so the litter that's been sitting there for a day, yes, highly, you know, risky. And the reason we're concerned is because it can actually affect the developing fetus, the okay. baby. But if you do it immediately, it's okay. Yes. But then the upshot is a lot of people, I've seen this happen, is uh, pregnant women who are out in the garden. Okay. Now, you don't know how long, and there could be contaminated uh, soil or whatever it is, where other cats, maybe from out, not, ah, not your cat. So you can't garden either. Well, wear gloves. <laughs> wear gloves. Wash your hands. So it's something to just be aware of. In, in, and in the garden, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have actually thought of that. Yeah. So people will say, oh, I'm not cleaning the litter tray, and then they go out and do gardening. Mm. You're more risky out in the garden than what you are with the litter tray. There you go. There but you go. Good advice is wear, wear gloves, wash your hands, and get your partner to do it. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I just like the third one. Go to that. (laughs) (laughs) Look, we do need to do our Dogs of the Week, and I'd like to introduce you to Jake. Jake is a five-year-old Kelpie cross, and he's a Jake of all trades. Oh, (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, He's looking for a home where he can be really useful. So if you've got a tennis ball that needs fetching or a jogging buddy to help with your fitness, (laughs) then Jake is your guy. He also specialises in looking after the kids and will play with them in the backyard for hours. So he's great with kids and he loves playing. He's an outside kind of guy. He sleeps outside, eats outside and he plays outside. Uh, He needs shelter from the rain and sun obviously but he does not like the look of being inside. So he's a smart dog, he's a quick learner and a great listener when spoken to. If you want some more information on Jake, please head to uh, our website 2NURFM.com and click on Dog of the Week. The other dog, and I've got to say I, I love the look of this one, Sid Sid is your constant and most faithful companion. Uh, He's a nine-year-old red cattle dog cross. He came into foster care through no fault of his own and it's purely because his family situation changed. He has a little bit of arthritis, but that can be managed uh, quite easily with his diet and exercise. He loves a bone to keep his teeth clean. Now, the great thing about Sid is he is nine. He doesn't have any behavioural issues. He'd be okay to live with other dogs as well. another dog his size or bigger rather he's house trained and would be suitable for a full-time worker uh, and he is fine with his own company he looks gorgeous he's wearing a little red scarf and he just Mm. looks beautiful so look please have a look at our dogs of the week if you're in the market uh, to become a pet owner and that is at 2nurfm.com Last but not least, I don't know where today's program has gone, but we need to do our dirty dog. Dirty dog. Hey, there's rain. So if your dogs are out right now getting dirty... Ooh, take them out. Take, it, take them, them out to the mud. Cheryl will fix it. Yep. Take a photo and then Cheryl might get them cleaned up for you. She certainly will. You just need to send it to our dirty dogs. You can find them on the homepage, once again, at 2NURFM.com. Just scroll down and you'll see the dirty dogs right there. But our winner uh, for this month, Jan from Belmont, has submitted a photo of Marley, a five-year-old golden retriever. Now she discovered she could get under the fence to the veggie garden. That's the end oh, result. Oh, dear. my gosh. Good mm-hmm. luck with that, Cheryl. And Lovely. that's it for us. Cheryl Shaw, David Tabret. thank you for coming in. Thank you very much, Sarah. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health 
well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.